0: of the NFL season coming up we're a week away from college basketball you are listening to the bearded carcast I am Mike Pacheco Dave Friedman alongside and we're glad you're listening in and you can follow along bearded carcast at outlook.com is how you send us an email at bearded carcast is how you follow along on Twitter uh, I know uh, the big news today out of the NCAA and we also uh, have some pretty good news on our picks I think right Dave
1: Well, your picks are looking better than mine at this juncture. The NCAA news might benefit people that we interact with, but it's probably not going to benefit us directly. And the NFL trade deadline, you want to talk about disappointing. We waited to to do the podcast until after the deadline, and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it's going to provide lots of time to talk about the Holy Trinity Marvin Ridge 7th grade football championship game.
0: Well, we'll probably save that for the last segment, but that is, I mean, definitely a huge tilt. I got some information today that perhaps the last time the two teams met that Marvin Ridge didn't have the full complement. You'd be surprised uh, uh, at, th- at this level, Dave, there's no game notes, there's uh, there's no dedicated athletic websites with stories, so uh, sometimes news trickles slowly, more slowly than the Pony Express, but... Uh, we dig- we digress from the news of the day with that. But Holy Trinity's had a good Do you good feel year. like the difference
1: in the game is going to be how Holy Trinity's linebackers are able to uh, defend the backs out of the backfield in the flat and running pass routes?
0: Well, I think the bigger question, Dave, is is Marvin Ridge going to be able to handle the traps and counters that Trinity's offense is going to throw at them? I think that's the bigger matchup. Well, stay
1: tuned. We'll have much more on that later. Yeah. Do, do we know, when is the game?
0: It's uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock in Monroe. So, you
1: know, if some of the kids are getting Halloween candy on Thursday and have a little bit too much and, and you know, might, might have a little too much on Friday as well, how could that impact the game?
0: That's a, You know, sugar high at that age is uh, very concerning, absolutely.
1: I think we, in order to scout this out and to pick this one against the spread, we're going to have to know who's <laughs> trick-or-treating, where they're trick-or-treating, how late they're able to go out. You know, Are, are they going to areas where they're going to get the full candy bar so that we can really assess what sort of shape these two teams are going to be in come Saturday?
0: What time is kickoff? Kickoff is at 3 o'clock. I think you hit the nail on the head, though, Dave. It's going to be the, the full-size candy bar. Full-size candy bar could be a yeah. di- difference in this game. Not just the sample so size. just 3
1: o'clock. Three o'clock, that, that's a little bit early for the big SEC game of yes. the week. But, uh, you know, a, a primetime slot nonetheless.
0: Well, if you weren't busy, we could maybe do a stretch Internet broadcast. But. But uh, you have a game well, on Saturday. You,
1: yeah, I mean, no man stands between Charleston Southern Gardner Webb and I. So, yes. you know, I, I'd love to make it. But but a one thirty kickoff there i, I i'm kind of surprised that holy trinity and marvin ridge didn't try to play a night game that i could make it to
0: well last week they actually did have a, the uh, eighth graders play the seven o'clock nightcap in the semifinals ah. yeah so they played under the lights well
1: that makes sense yeah that that prime time eighth grade <laughs> you know game. Uh, all Speaking kidding aside, prime aside hold on time I, I, games yeah
0: no before we do that i gotta tell you this because it's hilarious if you look at the difference, you know, like last year, John, John's first year, is sixth grade. And when there was just the sixth graders, you're like, OK, yeah, these kids are some pretty decent size. Then the seventh graders would come by and you're like, oh, my goodness. Then the eighth graders, I mean, they look like men compared to these kids. So it's, uh, it's just funny watching the, the difference in size when, when these guys roll out. But go ahead. I, 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 I cut you off. Sorry.
1: Well, I mean, you talk about size and, you know, look at the World Series. It seems like Houston now up three games to two against Washington is in pretty good shape. Jose Altuve is is a little guy. So, you know, size does not always tell the entire story.
0: That's true. That's true. All right, so what a change in the World Series, Dave, right? I mean, Houston goes up, uh, or the Nationals go up two games to nil, but home field advantage has meant nothing in this World Series. I think that's been one of the storylines. And, of course, Max Scherzer uh, not pitching in Game 5, I think that was huge for the Nats.
1: Yeah, and then the report today that if there's a Game 7, He's good to go. So you got Steven Strasburg on the mound tonight and potentially Scherzer in Game 7. Obviously, the difficult part is actually getting to that point and and facing Justin Verlander. Certainly no guarantees there. But this World Series, which has been weird in a variety of ways, it could be one of those that that heads to the ultimate game and then then who knows? It, It has been... I don't know like i i feel like i've watched several games and it's gotten you know the fifth sixth seventh inning and it feels like the outcome has already been determined yet here we are three two and you you know i mean it's game six of the world series that's something reasonable to be excited about
0: well and you have two workhorses genuine workhorses going tonight in game six and and i know if it goes game seven obviously the importance of the game seven matchup and and all that but uh you know th- this is what a key juncture right here. I mean, obviously, the Nets have to win behind Steven Strasburg, but uh, Justin Verlander. You know, and th- they. You know, you can get to Justin Verlander. It's not impossible. Uh, I- I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think it's going to be exciting. Of course, by the time this airs, the, the result will have, have uh, already been uh, determined for Game Six. The 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 series won't it's have necessarily. Yeah, so we. We'll
1: we won't talk about it that long because, like you said, maybe it's not that timely. But isn't it crazy as we record on Wednesday afternoon? Or I beg your pardon, Tuesday afternoon, that there's probably more hubbub, more talk, more discussion about the lack of movement at the trade deadline, Trent Williams returning to Washington, and Akeem Talib being dumped as a salary dump to Miami than there is game six of the World Series. I mean, e- even I, who poo-poo baseball during much of the regular season, I, I'm excited about this. Yet it just seems like the news cycle of the NFL just crushes baseball, even in the most exciting time. I mean, l- look at the game on Sunday night. This, this is a good question. I know you had Panthers duties on Sunday. When you got home from Panthers, did you watch Sunday night football without Patrick Mahomes, a good game between Green Bay and Kansas City, or the World Series?
0: I, I floated back and forth, I'll be honest. Uh, but I probably, if I had to um, if I had to put a meter on my watching, I, it was probably more skewed, probably 60% more to the football game. But I did go back and forth right. like, and commercial, imagine, yeah, at commercials.
1: Imagine if there was another sporting event going on during the NFC or the AFC Championship game, and you were passively watching the football game.
0: Well, I think it, it illustrates what we've talked about a bunch on through the years now on the the Bearded Carcast. By the way, this is season three, uh, episode nine of the Bearded Carcast, and you can catch up on Stitcher if you if you're just catching us for the first or second time. Um, it illustrates the point that we've been talking about, Dave, in that you know if you are in a baseball-centric market, nece- not necessarily a baseball town, you can be in a region that that still has baseball. But you know, as we tape this in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are squarely baseball market-wise in between uh, Baltimore and Atlanta. And I'd say some of the old, old, old old-time folks here were Orioles fans. You do have uh, a very good representation of Braves fans. And I've been here 20 years. I've seen the interest in baseball kind of wane a little bit if one of your teams isn't in the World Series uh, or even in the playoffs. And even just generally. I mean, we were talking about... Uh, Today, we were at the Big South Media Day, and uh, we were talking with Pat Kelsey, the men's basketball coach at Winthrop, and we had Lynette Woodard, the women's basketball coach, and talking to some of the players, and uh, uh, the women's basketball player, Michaela Santoro, and Josh Ferguson, men's basketball player that was representing the teams, we were talking baseball, and we asked them, and they looked at us like we were crazy, and we were talking about, you know, like, remember when we were kids, you know, baseball cards, even when you were a kid, Dave, you know, having baseball cards was still a pretty big deal. Uh, granted, you grew up in Oakland, so you know you had the A's. Uh, you know Marin County, and you had the Giants and A's. You know I grew up in Boston, so Red Sox. But I, I really think the um, unless you're in a, a or unless you're in a baseball town uh, or a baseball region, if you will, if you're in between markets, baseball just isn't, doesn't have the popularity it, it, it had anymore, and it, go, it does go to the strength of the NFL.
1: I think it's a generational thing too. It'll be interesting to to watch your son John. I just don't think people his age are that into it. It's too slow. I was teaching class today at Winthrop, and we're doing play by play. That's the segment we're on in sports journalism, and my students are going to games and broadcasting games and broadcasting games off YouTube, broadcasting games off of TV. One of my students today did baseball play-by-play and and I it's funny to think of the way I grew up and how much I liked baseball in my early days broadcasting baseball and and I just he he presented his play-by-play and he worked really hard and it was pretty good and I'm like why are you so excited I mean like you're doing a YouTube game from June or August or something I'm like between two teams that are you know sort of kind of but not really in contention I'm like I know that you're excited because the guy hit a home run or it's strike two or whatever but like it's just not a very exciting sport. Like, but the all- drama of the playoffs makes it exciting. But the sport itself, the ball is in play for less than 10 minutes. It's a lot of sitting around.
0: But I also think, Dave, that baseball was popular in a time where there was not much else going on. Uh, it was also kind of like your nightly soap opera. If you would uh, you know, listen to the games on the radio because you didn't have TV. And I'm talking 20s, 30s, 40s, right? Uh, And what was also the big medium of of that day? It was the newspaper. And in the newspaper, you would not only have a morning newspaper, you would have an afternoon newspaper. And so you would get box scores. Games were played in the day back then. Uh, You would have box scores of the preceding day in the newspaper. And now with technology, even though you have the ability, uh, if you do subscribe to a daily newspaper now, to get those box scores because of consolidation and how they're editing things now. Uh, a lot of times, if you look at the Charlotte Observer, you'd have a, a baseball box score from two days ago. I think one of the things that really helped propel baseball was the fact that you didn't have to watch every game. You would get you know, the blow-by-blow blow in the story the next day in the newspaper. People read newspapers. You'd look at out-of-town out of, you know, out of town scores. Sometimes you'd read books. You'd get magazines were big, so you'd get kind of compilation of, of stories. And I think the reason why the NFL fits in so perfectly with today's a lifestyle is because it really is i mean you can keep an eye on it during the week with you know trades and injuries and all that jazz but it's it's if you're just following one team it's a three-hour four-hour commitment on a sunday you can do other things throughout the day you can do other things throughout the week you don't necessarily have to hang on to it 24 7 but certainly with technology you can if you want to
1: when the game is being played of football There's controversy. Was it pass interference or not? There's scoring. There's dramatic comebacks. There's superstar players. There's a lot going on. Baseball just kind of goes at a snail's pace. I mean, the World Series is taking place. There's Game 6 of the World Series. It's two teams that have fun storylines. And the biggest things to come out of the World Series so far are Max Scherzer's injury, Two models. Um, <laughs> yeah, showing themselves. Exp- yeah, and, yeah and, and some mattress tycoon betting zillions of dollars on the Astros. Well,
0: let me ask you this, and I think we have covered this in the past, and I'm still confused by this, but um, betting baseball is a little bit different than, than gambling on other sports as far as how they calculate the line. Is that correct?
1: Well, I mean, you can play a run line, which would be the same as betting on a normal sporting event betting on a football game, right. or everything else is on a money line, so you know it goes by odds if a team is you know plus 100 that means you bet a hundred and win a hundred if it's okay. minus 110 you bet 110 to win a hundred if you're minus 150 you bet 150 to win a hundred so it, it's just a it's a money line it's an odds line gotcha, as opposed gotcha, gotcha. to a handicap
0: yeah I, that always confuses me. Because uh, as we know, <laughs> I'm not the the world's headiest gambler here.
1: Right. So tonight, yeah. Tonight, uh, Houston is minus one seventy five. Right. Against Washington, so minus one seventy five means it's an implied probability of sixty three point six percent. Okay. If you think Houston has a better than sixty four percent chance of winning, you should lay the hundred and seventy five. To win 100. On the flip side, Washington is about plus 160 tonight. And that would mean if you bet on the Nats, you would bet 100 to win 160. They need about a 39% chance of covering. So they're 8 to 5. If it was horse racing, they'd be listed as 8 to 5. 8 to 5 plus 160, 38.5%. Those are all the same thing.
0: Got it. Thank you for the update. Uh, you know, you learned, th- this isn't just entertainment. You learn things here in the Bearded Carcast.
1: I don't think we ever suggested <laughs> we were entertaining. <laughs> Who's going for entertaining? If, if we wanted entertaining, we talked more about the models and less about the problems of baseball.
0: Well, the funny thing is, uh, I had to explain what was going on to Sam, hadn't, my wife hadn't seen this. So she's like, what's the deal with this? I was like, well, uh, these ladies were sitting <laughs> in the second row or third row. And they started to uh, to flash the camera as the pitch was coming in. Garrett Cole was pitching. And uh, later that night, they got a, a letter from Major League Baseball saying they were no longer uh, allowed into the ballparks in Major League Baseball indefinitely.
1: Yeah, I bet it's a real loss for them. I <laughs> bet they were really there because they're very interested in baseball.
0: Well, it's funny. Uh, before we started taping this, uh, Noah Syndergaard uh, put out a tweet. Apparently, the New York Post has tracked these ladies down and gotten their story. And, of course, the... the The theme lately has been people saying, you know, uh, heroes uh, don't wear, don't necessarily wear capes. You know, Heroes don't have to wear capes or something like that. And they'll put a picture up. And so he said, heroes don't have to wear shirts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, but like, isn't it, I don't want, sad is not the right word, but the story of the World Series and and great pitching matchups and two exciting teams, yada, yada, yada is these things that don't really have anything to do with the world series
0: no and i think but i think it goes back to what i was talking about um pace you know and we're not playing the uh we're not playing the basketball pace and culture drinking game um but what what i mean is when baseball was popular it it modeled the pace of life in america you know things were a little bit slower you you know you didn't have microwaves you didn't cook quickly you know it, it took time to do things and you know, it was you know baseball play-by-play has long been called theater of the mind, and you know I I as a kid would listen to baseball on a transistor radio. I know you've had that experience. Older folks would uh, on older transistor radio, Sometimes it was your your entertainment in in the in the uh, in the dining room in the parlor, and you know, maybe you're recording a a, a lady and you you listen to a baseball game. But today's pace of life is just so much faster, and I think that's why one of the reasons why uh, maybe a small part why basketball and football um, really have jumped in viewership and, and interest because it, it it mirrors the pace of, of life. And, and I do think, um, and, and I was interested to get your thoughts on this, I, uh, baseball did kind of have that soap opera feel that you had to pay attention every day. And so that's why with newspapers, you were more invested, you had more time. Now, I don't know if people want to take all the time to, to stay up on things. It's a lot easier to, to keep track of a football game once a week or two basketball games a week. but to stay in on a, during the regular season, more, more of course, uh, it's just harder to keep track of something April through the end of September.
1: I think it's less that and more the game. Football and basketball have more scoring; they're more exciting. There's just more going on. Baseball is slow. You know, each year. Well, I think that it's I, compl- get, well, I think
0: what we're saying is complementary and not contradictory. I, yeah, I, think I agree with that. Yeah.
1: but Mike, but Mike. Each year that I get older, I want the pace of our bearded carcass to move a little bit faster. I agree with that. And and I I think we need to move on from this. listening to the beard and Cardcast. you can send us an email bearden at at outlook.com you can follow us on social media channels we would be thrilled if you would leave us a review every other podcast you listen to says leave us a four-star review or a five-star review no, we want five i just stars. want a review it can be a terrible review <laughs> no, i just want to see Good I, want, I want something we want feedback but, yeah but before we do that, and I know this is probably more a question for our production meeting than it is for the actual podcast, but maybe, maybe our listeners can respond, com. What do you think the culture of the Bearded Carcast is?
0: That is a great question. Like well, do
1: we have a good culture entering the season or, or you know, do we feel like we still need to develop leaders, to develop roles? Like do do we do we like our staff? Like how do we feel about the culture of the bearded carcass?
0: Well, it's very veteran laden leadership, right? Yeah.
1: We're real old.
0: So so, you know, we don't really have to worry about uh, you know, distractions. We don't have like uh neither one of us uh has like Antonio Brown type distractions around the bearded car cast. So we, we, I'd say if you, if I had to say it in a small amount of words, I I think we're do what we do.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, but I feel like at some point we're going to need to be infused with some youth and some energy. So you better get your uh, son warmed up in the bullpen
0: <laughs> or or maybe we should just get Reggie Walker in here.
1: Yeah, well, that would do it too. Uh, the NFL trade deadline came and went unexciting Uh last week the panthers and the 49ers played what i don't know if it was you know a a game of significance in the sense that i don't know that we think those are the two best teams in the nfc or or anything of that nature but it kind of seemed like here are two teams that have fairly good records right now how good are either of these teams and i think we got sort of a resounding answer that at the point of attack the 49ers are really good. I don't know if that makes them the best team in the NFL, the best team in the NFC, among the Super Bowl contenders, but it seems pretty clear that it means that the Panthers are a step behind the upper-crust teams. Do you agree or no? I,
0: I would say I agree with most of that. I, I think you know on the post-game show on Sunday up on the Panthers radio network, we had Eugene Robinson. He's with us every week now. Um, and... You know, talking to Mike Tolbert, who called in, former Panther, also went to uh, Coastal Carolina, played for the Chargers. Um, you know, our sense was kind of that, you know, obviously San Francisco played great, and I f- felt like that was a good representation of of who the, the 49ers are. I think the consensus in the room um, on the postgame show was that uh, this game was more possibly of an anomaly. Now, the next couple weeks, we'll... Prove an us right or wrong for which team? For the Panthers, saying that the the, the Panthers kind of laid an egg and that, that wasn't really representative of of how well they have played. I I think you could make the argument that um, the the game plan that Kyle Shanahan put together, and this is not an anomaly when you look at this. He he did the same thing to the Panthers when he was uh, offensive coordinator for the Falcons. Um, they just the Carolina Panthers just didn't have an answer. I think they're a better team than what they showed. Uh, Now they're going to have to kind of bounce back and and really show something against Tennessee. Uh, I think the other thing that was impressive about the 49ers' win was just how dominant they were in in all three phases of the game. Kyle Allen looked like the undrafted quarterback. Um, He's looked great in his first five starts. Um, He had a tough day. Now, Christian McCaffrey was able to still get over 100 yards rushing. He um, he was also a factor in the in the passing game. He had a touchdown, a long touchdown run in that game, so that was a good sign for the Panthers. Bruce Irvin looked great. Uh, free agent signing. Um, so I think I think the feeling amongst us was that you know they were outplayed, outclassed. Everything you could say, but that was maybe more of a tribute to the Forty ers and that um, and that this is still a good. Uh, good not great okay I'm not going to say the Panthers are top three top four team are they a playoff team I think they're a bubble playoff team
1: well yeah I I mean I, I agree with that but with Kyle Allen I don't think they're as good as the other good teams I mean they're they're pretty clearly not as good as San Francisco And I don't think they're as good as Seattle. I'm not sure if they're as good as the Rams, but I would tend to guess not. I don't think they're as good as New Orleans. I don't think they're as good as Green Bay. My guess is that they're not as good as Minnesota. And I think the NFC East is kind of unclear right now, though. I thought the Eagles were pretty impressive against Buffalo. I mean, the the, there's no great reason to believe they're going to win the South, which means they're going to have to win a wild card. Correct. Right, And if they're not going to win the South, that means they're going to have to beat out some combination of Minnesota, Seattle, the Rams, and whoever doesn't win the NFC East. I would say that is not impossible, but not overly likely.
0: That's why I call them a bubble playoff team.
1: What about with Cam Newton? Are you surprised he's not coming back?
0: I will say this. Um... You know, Reading the tea leaves, I thought he was going to be, be um, more likely to play this week than has, it has turned out. And, of course, on Monday, Ron Rivera, I don't know if characteristically or uncharacteristically, I don't know what the right word is. Uh, I was a little surprised he announced it that early.
1: I was too. I was actually very surprised he announced it um, that early because that either tells you that they don't want him to play now or he's nowhere remotely close to being able to play now.
0: Well, I've always, and, and you know, it sounds like hedging, but the last couple of weeks I've always said when we get to this point after the Niners game, you know, after the bye, then playing the Niners, you know, if Cam Newton was 100% healthy, he, I, I felt he was going to play. I, now, I kept saying, but I don't know if he's going to be 100% healthy. It was encouraging that he traveled. Um, but you know, the one thing is, last week he was at practice, but he wasn't a participant in practice, and there's a huge difference. Um, you know, for people that don't follow the NFL or don't or don't understand practice, a
1: lot of people that don't follow the NFL are big bearded car cast fans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, it it does take time to get timing down, and you know, this list Frank injury, uh, I don't think it's a joke, especially for a guy like Cam Newton, who um, you know, running is is. A, a strength of his and so he's got to be able to do um you know some of the little things if you will when it comes to mobility and um uh, you know and being able to run and and, and jump and and throw and, and run on the run and so uh, i agree with you i think this tells us uh you know he's still not 100 percent healthy and i've always maintained that there's really two things um i don't say two things going on here but i think two things you need to consider Uh, the team perspective and the player perspective, right? Kim, in his kind of fireside chat, if you will, the cigar and wine chat, said that he uh, purposely kind of withheld information from the team saying that he wanted to continue to play, which is admirable. Um, But, you know, I think he recognized, and after the fact, everyone said, well, maybe that wasn't the the right decision for the team. Um, You know, this is, next year's a contract year for him, right? So, the last thing he wants to do, and if I were an agent, I would be advising I
1: think this year as a contract year for him. If he doesn't go out and play well this year, I think he's going to be released.
0: Well, all right, but next year technically is the contract year, right? So um, every week that Kyle Allen is winning, I think it's harder to, to put Cam on the field. Um, so what what's what's I mean, if he has a chance at coming back this year, he's got to be 100% healthy and hope he doesn't get hurt so that the decision is made to keep him for next year, and then next year he's got to have a great season to to get a contract for, for the next year.
1: I think the season rides on this week's game against Tennessee. You lose this week, you're 4-4. Four four. The chances that you're losing two of the next three at the Packers and at the Saints are pretty significant, it, I'm very surprised he's not back in now. If they win this week and they're 5-3, and three, if he's ready to go at Green Bay next week, I think he plays. If you lose this week, I think he plays if he's healthy to go. If they lose this week and lose next week, it doesn't matter whether he comes back or not, the season's shot.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough to tough road to climb. And, you know, we talked about this last week, Dave. I mean, when you look, and you, you've already mentioned the, the first part of that, but you still have New Orleans twice. You have Green Bay coming up. Uh, you have uh, in December Seattle. I mean, they have of all the teams that would you would consider bubble playoff teams. They got to have the toughest schedule down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean they've got those two games against the Falcons and one against the Redskins. Those should be. I mean, you three would think wins. those are three wins right, right now. Seven so if you're at seven, but right. you're going to need. You got to steal at right. least. Right.
0: right. Yeah.
1: And one of those better be this week against the Titans, and you're going to play Kyle Allen, which tells me either your faith in Cam Newton is very, very low or he's just not ready to go. I don't think either of those bode particularly well. That being said, I don't think the Titans are unbelievable either. I think they're okay. They've played pretty well the last two weeks with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, but they won two home games against two okay teams, the Chargers and Bucks. They didn't win either of them. Going away, I mean, they're they're kind of in the same boat the Panthers are. They are they're 4-4. Four and four. They need wins. Maybe their division is a little bit more wide open. But next week, they play the Chiefs. They lose to the Panthers. They lose to the Chiefs. They're 4-6, and six and they're finished. So yeah. it's a huge game for both teams.
0: Well, and what's interesting, too, is how they've – it's a little bit similar, right? Because this, the Panthers team responded to the change to Kyle Allen, and the Titans have done the same thing in the change to Ryan Tannehill. In two games, he's had five touchdown passes – Mariota, in six weeks, six games, only had seven touchdowns. But to me, and and I think this is going to be a big thing for the Panthers down the stretch, too, is third downs. Um, the uh, the uh, Titans have converted on third downs the last two weeks 45%, where they were 29% in the first six weeks. And I, where I say that's important for the Panthers, they've, they've been uh, on the lower half of the league in third-down percentages. Now, they've had some situations where they've had quick scores. You know, Christian McCaffrey's had a couple of those uh, big, long runs, the Reggie Bonifan run. So some of the, this skews some of those third down numbers because you're getting big scores on, on a short amount of plays. Um, when you've seen this Panthers team be successful, you're ripping off 11, 12, 13-play drives at a pretty good clip, and you, only, you can only do that by sustaining third downs. I mean, sometimes, which was odd in the San Francisco game, and one of the reasons why San Francisco just demolished the Panthers is that uh, in most of their longer scoring drives, they had maybe one, maybe two third-down conversions. I mean, they finished 50% in the game on third down. Um, that's just something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, you're right about the, this Titans team. I mean, um, it for them, it's going to be protecting the quarterback. You know, uh, they've done a good job of keeping Tannehill upright. Um, they didn't do that so much with Mariota in there. And this is the strength of this Panthers team is their path rush. pass rush. They're second in the league in sacks. Right behind the Patriots, and um you know, I think this team is a huge I thought last week was was a pivotal game, and I agree with you that this week becomes the pivotal game because you need to see how uh Kyle Allen bounces back from this, you know was again the thinking that if you agree with the thinking, and I don't know you don't, but if you agree with the thinking that maybe last week's game was an anomaly for the for the Panthers as a whole uh and so you have to include that that's maybe an anomaly for Kyle Allen. We haven't really seen him getting beat up pretty bad and have to bounce back. This is a great test for him to see uh to see if he what kind of quarterback he is cuz I think that's going to play a part in in uh, in the overall decision like you were talking about a little bit earlier. And so for this defense, they need to get back to to you know s- stuffing the run. They haven't been a great run defense. They've got a really good job pass defense and uh and this Panthers offense has to has to score points. The one number I saw you'll love this. This is probably one of those numbers that Gambler was like too. Titans, 3-0 and when they score first, and 1-4 when they don't. So I think if the Panthers get off to a good start, uh, that'll bode well for them.
1: Would you rather Kyle Allen or Ryan Tannehill?
0: That is a great question. I'll answer it this way. Uh, and it's kind of a default position, something that I've learned from just being around coaches. Sometimes you uh, you tend to... Uh, focus, not focus, maybe be attracted more to guys you have more information on and more of a familiarity with. Um, I think Cal- Kyle Allen has played great. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has, has done some really great things, but he, he has been on not so many great teams. Um, but talent-wise, I would probably take Ryan Tannehill right now if, if you could do a s- straight-up swap. But I, I like think
1: the think Kyle t- Allen has played great. He threw four touchdowns against Arizona and three in the next four
0: games. I think but but I think that's the that's the reason why you need to see more out of him, right? You need to see what you know what to me that's why this is such a big game. What kind of quarterback is he is he going to be? He's he uh
1: I think he's going to be a quarterback sitting
0: on the bench. <laughs> no, but I, in one of the um one of the characterizations of him and I think it's fairly accurate is he's probably more in a Trent Dilfer game manager mode. Now the Panthers uh you know would tell you that He's better than that. Um, and just, I don't think that sometimes there's nothing wrong with being a good game manager. I mean, if you you know, uh, if you can make the, the throws you're supposed to be able to make and you're not turning the ball over, you know, that that's a good recipe. Um, you know, you just don't want your, your quarterback turning the ball over and putting the ball on the ground a lot. You ready for
1: a hot take?
0: Oh, yeah, give me a hot take.
1: Kyle Allen loses this week against the Titans and loses to the Packers the following week. If Cam Newton isn't ready to go, Will greater starts against the Falcons.
0: Ooh. Okay, hot take noted.
1: Let's move on to teams that actually might be good. (laughs) Um, The Patriots and Ravens play on Sunday night in Baltimore, and obviously the Patriots continue to roll. Their defense has been incredible. But over the years, if anyone has had their number a little bit, it's probably been John Harbaugh. The Ravens are coming off a bye. It will be a very, very interesting game Do you have any thoughts on it? It kind of feels like you look at the Patriots schedule. It's starting to get tougher. This would be the type of game that they could lose. It's a road game. It's no big deal. They could very easily recover and still, you know, have home field advantage, win the AFC, win the Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. But, But does this feel like a spot that they could be vulnerable or they haven't shown much vulnerability throughout the year? Do you think they roll?
0: I think historically this is a team that has given them problems for the reasons you just enumerated, and coaching be a lot of it. Uh, I think the the Patriots are going to win this game. Uh, they're laying three and a half, so I will uh, lay the three and a half. I think the Patriots, like I said, are going to win this game. They'll they'll win it by more than three and a half points. Here's here's the thing that really convinces me about this, Dave. You can't beat Tom Brady without pressure. You just can't do it. Uh, when we've seen Tom Brady falter and look human or pedestrian it's been when teams have been able to get a really good pass rush. One issue that Baltimore has this year is they haven't really gotten a great outside rush from their outside linebackers. As a team, uh, they only have 12 sacks. That's that's fifth from the bottom in the NFL, and that's just not going to cut it against against Tom Brady. So I think that's where the vulnerability lies. Now, this Baltimore team... It It's going to be strength on strength. I mean, they uh, they and the Patriots, I think, are right up there one and two in points scored. And where the Patriots have the advantage is the Patriots have given up the least amount of runs. And Baltimore is given up um, kind of a middle-of-the-pack 22.3 runs per game. So I think um, if they don't get a good pass rush on Tom Brady... Uh, it could get out of hand, but I I, I think they're going to dial up something. I mean, they're going to they're going to figure out a way to, to to get some pressure. But I do think the the Patriots are going to be able to find some of the vulnerabilities uh, against Baltimore. And you know, Lamar Jackson hasn't really faced the Panther uh, the Patriots that much, and Tom Brady and uh, uh, more so Bill Belichick in this case. Bill Belichick is really game planned well against younger quarterbacks. Uh, now you could say sometimes mobile quarterbacks in the past have given the the uh, Patriots fits Uh, you know believe it or not Kim Newton has had some good games against the Patriots so that's something to keep an eye on but overall I still think it's going to come down to the uh, the defense Patriots defense and uh, Tom Brady against the Ravens
1: I think I read a stat that Belichick is 21 and 0 against first and second year quarterbacks or something something of that nature and you could imagine a scenario and maybe Lamar Jackson will shine in this situation, but you can imagine a scenario where you'll see much the same game plan that Baltimore lost in their playoff game last year, where there's just a lot of zero coverage, where the Patriots have a terrific secondary and they say, we're going to man up your wide receivers. And if you can throw the ball and beat us, you know, hats off to yeah. you, but we're not going to allow you Personally, or you as a team to run the ball, and I think that'll be really interesting. I think it's a huge advantage that Baltimore's off a of bye. I tried to use that reasoning last week with Cleveland, but Freddie Kitchens is showing that perhaps he's not long for the job in <laughs> Cleveland. We know John Harbaugh is. I like Baltimore plus the three and a half, and here's how I justified yep. they are coming off a of bye. I do think Harbaugh will have stuff up his sleeves. They're playing at home, it'll be crazy there. But if you take that three and a half point spread and you move it to a neutral field you would change it by three points for not being at home so that's six and a half points that baltimore would be an underdog neutral then you flip it to new england three more points that's nine and a half points how can new england be a nine and a half point home favorite over baltimore when last week they were only a 12 point home favorite over a mediocre Cleveland team. That, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I like Baltimore uh, plus the points a little bit, but my pick of the week, and, and I don't love this because I think the entire world is going to be on it, yeah. but the Green Bay Chargers spread doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. Green Bay is a three-point road favorite at the Chargers, but it's not really a road game. As Al Michaels talked about on Sunday Night Football, it's going to be 80% Packer fans. Yeah.
0: Because they're playing at the soccer facility.
1: Right, and the Chargers fired their offensive coordinator this week. They're kind of a mess, and the Packers have played very, very well. I I have seen flaws in the Packers all year. I have kind of purposely avoided them. They – weren't good in beating Chicago week one. They struggled in beating the Vikings in week two. But the bottom line is they're beating all these teams. They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Chiefs. They're finding a way. Their only loss is to Philadelphia, who I still think is gonna end up being a pretty good team. I just think it's 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 a good team versus a bad team. So I, I like the I like the Packers, even though I think everyone's gonna be on it and that's a pretty scary place to be, uh when you're backing a team against the
0: spread, yeah, you don't want to follow the uh, the public, right?
1: I don't think you want to follow the public, right? I've learned
0: that throughout the years. Yes, you want to go with yes. the sharps. That's what are the I mean, sharps doing this week?
1: Well, you you have to identify who those those people are, and as much <laughs> as the media and, and people like to talk about what side the sharp side is, the the real sharp guys they're not on Twitter. They're actually just betting games and not talking a whole lot and kind of keeping their mouth shut. So. E- easier, easier said than done.
0: This is the Bearded Podcast. I'm being briefed
1: with Mike Chico alongside. The basketball season starts next week. We were at Big South Conference Media Day today, a gathering of coaches, media, and players stuffing their face with free food and (laughs) regurgitating a whole lot of cliches. People are very, very excited about the year. People are very, very optimistic about the year. It's amazing how optimistic you can be before the first uh, shot is fired.
0: Speaking of shots, Dave, are you familiar with the high bob game? Hi, Bob. Yeah. So uh, in the uh, the Bob Newhart show, and the original Bob Newhart show. This is a very
1: new, modern reference.
0: So uh, there was a game because everybody would say, "Hi, Bob." Hi, Bob. So uh, you know, back then you didn't have you might have had cable, but you didn't have DVRs. So people would watch these shows live, and sometimes at colleges you would be maybe having an adult beverage or two. So it came to the point where uh, every time someone said, "Hi, Bob," you would do a shot, and then Saturday Night Live did a very famous skit. Uh, with Bob Newhart, and uh, this was with uh, 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 Chris Elliott and uh, and Chris Farley, uh, and so every time someone would say hi, Bob, you take a shot. So, and I won't identify the coach because that's not irrelevant. But uh, we were talking to uh, one of the big South coaches today, and and you, uh, I think he was the one that brought it up about um, no, you did about the cliches. Uh, the, what, what you said, if you did a shot on what was it, culture and what was the pace. other pace. Culture and pace, right? You have to do a shot. You'd, you'd be uh, there. Would have been a lot of uh, drinking imbibed uh, at the Big South Conference Day because that was a word that was throw- those two words, and several others were thrown around quite a bit.
1: Right, but what wasn't discussed a great deal was what broke after Big South yes. Media Day that the NCAA is. Uh, I don't even know how to really say this. They voted unanimously to start the process of modifying their rule to allow college athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness. But, but the the process was started for them. Yes. The state of California said, this is happening. So, like, for the NCAA to vote, we're going to start talking about this and moving forward with this. What are they talking about?
0: Well, you know what it is, Dave, uh, and you've been to big cities, right? It, it's kind of like uh, the train is in the station, right, at Grand Central Station or maybe 42nd Street, whatever you prefer, uh, and you're running down to the turnstile and you can you can physically hear that the train is at the station, right? So you get through the turnstile, then you run down another set of stairs, and as soon as you turn the corner, the train is just pulled out of the station. That's ki- I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? I mean, this was going to happen whether the NCAA yep. got on, on board with it or not. So now um, they're trying to, I think, figure out a way to um, maybe – Leap on the tr- on the train before it completely leaves the station, and not that they can have control over it. Because um, here's the thing, and I think most reasonable people would agree that um, when it comes to your likeness, you should have the ability, you should have the say in in the, in the compensation on that. Um, now, where I am confused, and I think a lot of people are confused, um, and to some people, it's not going to matter, um, but there is going to if you completely make this a free market thing. Um, you know th- there is possibility that this could be uh, abused. Um, now, remember, remember yeah.
1: five years ago when they started playing, p- p- paying players living stipends. Yeah. Right. So that you know they they could go to uh, CVS and pick up some goods right. or, or go going, out for a meal for every a now and yeah. again, and this was the the. End all be all is such a big deal. Has anybody said anything about that in the last three years?
0: Yeah, but you're not talking. You're talking about um, reasonable financial compensation, and what I mean, re- I don't mean reasonable that it's reasonable, but re- reasonable in the sense of it's 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 modest. It's a modest amount. Um, I I think what I think what concerns people about this that maybe are for it but are concerned about abuses is, uh, you know. If you're in a in an area where, the car dealer or uh, you know the the wealthy business, but it's in town, already happening. I know, and I know what you're going to say you're going to say it's above board, but I I think it. What's going to happen is. Uh, the competitive balance could change, and and maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, maybe I I think what people are concerned about is, now you're legalizing quote unquote bribing people to to play for a school, and I think that 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 sense is what is maybe putting people on edge a little bit. I'm not not against players, you know, like if, if, you know, if a car dealership says, Hey, we want to do a Josh Ferguson bobblehead doll and, and Josh, you know, we'll pay Josh what, what the going rate is. I have no problem with that. Um, and I think that's fair for him. Uh, I think what people might, I think what people are maybe concerned about is, um, like the the no-show mafia jobs, you know, it's like okay, hey, you, we'll give you like a hundred thousand dollars to be our spokesman, and then that p- the player doesn't have to do a darn thing, and that that yeah, becomes kind I, of an abuse think, of the system. I just
1: think that's overblown. I mean, it, if a guy can sign autographs and make money, if they can do a bobblehead doll and make money, great. I mean, and, and every school can do that, and the reply to that frequently is what you just said. Well, one team can spend the $100,000 from a car dealership and another can't. The car dealership is trying to attract people to sell their cars. If the car dealership isn't getting money out of it, then they're not interested in doing it. How well, many hold on, hold on, you... hold
0: on, hold on, hold on. But But that same car dealership in the right football town is doing it and getting no financial benefit from it. He's already doing it now,
1: right? Exactly. So if he's already doing it now, and then he can do it within the letter of the law, isn't that better?
0: I think you're just legalizing bribing people. And again, I, I think we're, we're. I think we're agreeing for the most part. I, I think where where you don't care, and I think I have more an interest is is. Where there could be abuses in the system, and now you're talking— What you're
1: saying is you prefer it to be below ground.
0: No, I'm not talking—no, I I never said—when did I say that?